Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for Scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, Sharon presents Part 2 of the Gospel of John, Chapter 5. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. John has been through this gate many times, the fish gate, to bring fish from Galilee region to Jerusalem. Salted fish, because there's no refrigeration. But they know him. He can enter through the fish gate. That's how he gets Peter in the courtyard, probably on the night of betrayal. He's a fisherman that has access. They know him. He can come in through the fish gate. And prophetically, what are these men going to do? After the sheep goes through the gate and is the final sacrifice, they're going to become fishers of men. Jesus told them that. And Matthew, follow me. I'm going to make you fish for people. Fishers of men. So that fish gate is very near the pool of Siloam. And Jesus used the water there in John 9 by the fish gate in the pool of Siloam. He used it in the miracle. It's when, we'll study it in a few weeks, when the man is blind and he takes mud and he tells him, go wash now, go wash in the water. Remember when he made Naaman wash in the water. But today, at the sheep gate near the pool of Bethsaida, guess what? Jesus will not use any water. He won't touch the water. He won't have the man touch the water. He won't dunk the man in the water. He'll say nothing about the water. It's interesting. After this, there was a festival of Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem's by the sheep gate, and there's a pool in Hebrew called Bethsaida, and it has five porticos. Five always reminds us of Torah. Torah, Moses the book of Moses. There are five porticos and there are many invalids lying there, blind, lame, paralyzed. And one man who's there, he's been ill for 38 years. Time out. There's a problem. Where's verse four? I copied that straight from the Bible. It goes from three to five in my Bible. What's going on? Where's verse four? You know me. I went crazy. Where's verse four? Footnote. Oh, look, John 5, 3. Other ancient authorities add, holy or in part, waiting for the stirring of the water for an angel of the Lord. Here's verse 4. They took it out and put it down as a footnote. And it says, for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. And whoever stepped in the water first after the stirring of the water was the one made well from whatever disease that person had. Why did they take that out? I want to know. Does that sound like the Hebrew God to make people race, paralyze people, race down to the water? When an angel stirs it up, does that sound like the God you know, the God the Israelites knew, the Hebrew God of the Old Testament? And some of you had questions. Inquiring minds want to know. Let's look at it. Greece ruled before Rome. Greek mythology was huge. Many, 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 many gods. A god of the sun, a god of the moon, a god of the stars, a god of the... Okay. Then Rome conquers Greece in 168 before Christ. They take the Greek mythology... And they Romanize it. They turn it into Roman mythology. Okay? The Greek gods have counterparts as Roman gods. And you had to study that in junior high, right? And you had to know that Ares is Mars and Zeus is Jupiter and on and on. Now, today's archaeological discovery shows, and it's recent, that the pool of Bethsaida was adjacent to the Jerusalem Asclepion. And archaeologists date the recently discovered Asclepion to several centuries after Christ, but it's built upon the foundation of an earlier Asclepion. What is an Asclepion? (laughs) In the first century, there were pools used as Asclepions. 
And in ancient Greece and Rome, an Asclepion was a healing temple sacred to the little G god Asclepius, the Grecian god of medicine. And these healing temples were a place where the patients could go and get treatment of some sort of physical healing or spiritual healing from these Greek little G godlets. There was an Asclepion in Athens on the Acropolis in 420 BC. There was Asclepians in Spain. There were Asclepians all over the Roman Empire. In fact, there were 400 Asclepians in the Roman Empire. There was one in Ephesus, the first one. And where did John live? Ephesus. And where did he take Mary? Ephesus. And Asclepius was the god of health, medicine, and healing. And the first hospital, the first Asclepian, was in it. Ephesus. Now, buckle up, okay? Because you're going to say, what is she doing? <laughs> okay? Just hang with me, and it'll all make sense at the end. Asclepius was the son of the Greek sun god Apollo. And Apollo had a mortal human lover named Coronis. And Apollo's job was to carry the sun from the east to the west each day. And when he's doing that, he can see everything from his vantage point on Mount Olympus. Apollo ordered a white crow looks kind of like a dove, no, it's a white crow, to guard the mortal woman that he loved, Coronis, so that no one would violate her purity. And the white crow saw Coronis one day give herself to another, another man. So the, the white crow flew off to, to tell his master Apollo. And in his fury, Apollo threw down his plectrum, which is his pick to strum his harp. And the, his laurel crown fell in the dust, and he looked at the white crow, and his eyes were full of hatred. And that white crow's feathers turned black, pitch. Filled with hate in his heart, Apollo asked his twin sister Artemis to go and kill the woman Coronis. So Artemis's arrow pierced the faithless breast of the woman Coronis. But before she died, Coronis whispered to the god Apollo that he had killed his own son also because she was pregnant and carrying his child. Oh, Apollo tried to save her in vain, but his medical skills were not up to it. He had no healing skills or powers. When the woman's sweet-smelling body was stretched on a pyre high as a wall, the flames parted before the little G-God's grasping hand grabbed from the mother's dead belly, safe and sound, Apollo's son, and they named him Asclepius, the healer. Now, Artemis of Ephesus, the twin sister of Apollo, goddess of fertility. And you should remember that because there is a temple for her. And it was one of the seven wonders of the world. It's the temple of Artemis at Ephesus where John and Mary live. John and Mary lived in Ephesus where this murderous fertility goddess was thought to be what? The mother of all the living. Hmm. You started wondering where they got some of these things. Now, Apollo gave his son Asclepius over to the horse Chiron to raise for him. And the centaur taught Asclepius the secret arts of healing. Now, as a little side story, but Medusa, if you remember, was beheaded by the hero Perseus. And thereafter used Medusa's head that could turn enemies into stone. Perseus gave the head to the goddess Athena now. And Athena puts it on her shield as a weapon. The goddess Athena, her Roman counterpart is Minerva, is the goddess of wisdom. And she gave a gift to Asclepius. The goddess of wisdom gave to Asclepius the blood of Medusa. And this blood allowed Asclepius the power to restore life from the dead. Now Asclepius got so wise and so good at healing that he was even able to raise the dead 
in mythology. And remember, mythology is not reality. This is Greek mythology. It's a myth. The next thing is the Greek god of the underworld named Hades. You've heard of that before. Hades was very nervous about Asclepius, that he could raise the dead because he's going to take some of his souls that he's already got in the underworld. So he complains to Zeus, who is big daddy. Remember? Asclepius is so dearly loved by the people that his fame grew. And Zeus gets jealous because he can't restore life. He doesn't have that divine type of gift. And so Zeus hurls a thunderbolt at Asclepius and kills him, mortally wounds him dead. Done. But the people never forgot Asclepius, and many healing temples were built in his honor, over 400 in the Roman Empire now. And there was one right there in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus, the Asclepian at Bethsaida, a healing temple of Asclepius who always used a snake on a pole as his symbol. Why? When Asclepius promised to resurrect the dead son of King Minos, Asclepius went to the woods, retreated into the woods to think about what Curie could do. A snake wound itself around his staff. Angered at being disturbed, he killed the snake. Then he observed that another snake brought an herb and revived the dead companion snake. So he used that same herb to revive the king's dead son. And from then on, he had a snake be his sacred animal, a snake on a pole. Hmm. So he starts the first hospital in Ephesus, and it used to be like this, where there were snakes, non-poisonous snakes, crawled all over the patients, on and slithered on and off of them, and he would heal. <laughs> and he had that staff with a snake, a symbol of medicine for healing. Guess what? That's the AMA, the American Medical Association's new logo. Interesting. That's their new logo as of 2005. Long before the AMA, long before Greek or Roman mythology, there was another great healer with a snake on a pole. You getting this? We had just talked about it in John 3, and there were no chapter numbers back then. This is in John's mind right now, John from Ephesus. Now, this is important. Justin Martyr, already in the second century, was writing this. He mentioned a popular obsession the people had with Asclepius among his contemporaries, saying, when the devil brings forward Asclepius as the raiser of the dead and the healer of all diseases, may I not say that in this matter, likewise, he has imitated the prophecies about Christ. John 5 takes place at the Pool of Bethsaida at the time of Jesus, which was an Asclepion of the Greek god Asclepius. Because of the Hellenization of Jerusalem, it had been ruled by Greece. It had become Hellenized. Now Jesus is always saying, water and spirit, water and spirit, water and spirit. But he stands right there in John 5, doesn't touch that water, doesn't use that water, wants to get the man out of there, ASAP. Why? That's not Holy Spirit living water. That's Asclepian water. That's a Greek god, a false god that has no healing power. Very quickly, Jesus said to the man, stand up, take your mat and walk. You notice how fast that miracle was? No water, didn't touch the water, didn't say jump in the water, dunk in the water, refresh yourself in the water. No, get out of here. Pick up your mat and go. He will not use the water of the false god Asclepian. There's a new healer in town, a historical reality, a fact of history who is not a myth a compassionate healer that seems like a counterpart of Asclepian, but it's just the opposite. 
The Greeks copied the Hebrews. That's what Justin Martyr said. You took their prophecies of Christ and turned them into your own mythology. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Asclepius is no new Moses. Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole thousands of years ago, way back in Numbers 21. Jesus is a new Moses, and he is no myth. He is a fact. It's a historical reality. God has revealed the Trinity through Jesus, the image of the Father, by the power of the Spirit that illuminates the heart. Greeks and Romans had many little g-gods, but Shema said God is one. God is one God in three persons. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the man, son of man, which is a reference to Daniel, he's calling the son of man must be lifted up. So Justin Martyr said these Greek mythologies had imitated the prophecies of Jesus Christ. They stole our stories. That's why we love reading them. Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem had become Greekized, Hellenized. Even Torah got translated into Greek, Torah. And when the Talmud states that King Talmai asked the sages to translate the Torah into Greek, they deemed it a tragedy. Not Aramaic, not Hebrew, our language, Greek. At the time of Jesus, Jesus would have read a Greek Torah in Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem was part of the Roman Empire and had a healing center dedicated to the Greco-Roman god Asclepius. The digs in 1964 near the church of St. Anne, archaeologists discovered the remains of Hadrian's temple of Asclepius, the god of healing. And between 150 BC and 70 AD, a popular healing center developed on the site of the pool of Bethsaida. And the water reservoirs that supplied the water to the temple mount in the 3rd century AD were there. A water cistern, baths, grottos for medicinal or religious purposes. But in the mid-first century AD, Herod Agrippa built a popular healing center, the Asclepian. Now, what's for the water and this angel stirring it up? What about that? These poor people waiting and waiting and waiting, maybe buying, maybe making offerings, maybe, you know... When the water valve was turned, one pool's higher than the other pool, and when the water valve was turned so the water flowed from the top to the bottom pool, the water would bubble up. Hmm, you getting it now? <laughs> Sham! Just steps away from the pool of Bethsaida, guess what you'll find? St. Anne's in Jerusalem. That's how close they are. Guess what happened at St. Anne's? This is the home of Jesus' grandparents, Joachim and Anne. This is the birthplace of the Virgin Mary. Birthplace of Virgin Mary. You go in and the acoustics are so incredible and this church was not destroyed. And this is where St. Anne would have magnified the Lord because she was barren, but she conceived in a supernatural way. In fact, it was an immaculate conception. And it's the birthplace of Mary right there in a cave, steps away from this Greek God's healing place. Now this neighborhood is a Muslim quarter, and it's still there, you can go visit it, but Mary is mentioned and revered in the Quran. Mary is the mother of all the living. That's why she appears. And when she appears in Quijobo, she has a black face. And when she appears in Guatemala, she has a Mexican face. And when she appears in Nock, Ireland, she looks like an Irish virgin. She's the mother of all children, all the living. 
This pool in Hebrew, Bethsaida, means house of mercy or house of grace, but it had a dual meaning. And this is Hebrew. In Hebrew, it could also mean a place of shame or a place of disgrace. It has a dual meaning depending on the context. Now, there was a man sitting there for 38 years. Everything's important in John. 38's important. Remember this. What should have taken those newly freed Israelite slaves, they've been enslaved for over 400 years, and they get free, and it should have taken them 11 days to get to the promised land, and it took them 40 years. Should have taken 11 days. People have walked it. It takes 11 days. But they still had what? The gods of Egypt in their heart, and they were disobedient, and they didn't trust the Lord. And at 38 years, guess what? Every single one of the first generation was gone, dead, except for Joshua and Caleb. They're the only two that got to go into the promised land. So it takes 38 years for God to wipe out the disobedient that had been in bondage, okay? They were in bondage because they had the gods of Egypt in their heart, the little g-gods, Gods, 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 gods. Now this man has been lying here for 38 years waiting for an angel to come and stir the waters. There's no angel coming. Because this is not a pool of God of Israel. This is a Greek little G God. And there's going to be no one stirring up the water here, sir. I'm sorry. He's placed his hope in false Greek and Roman little G gods for his healing. In Asclepius, who's the son of a human creature, who's protected by a white crow, who has healing powers by drinking blood, who has a snake up on a pole. Sound like anybody you know? Copycats. He's been in bondage like the Israelites for 38 years, putting hope in false gods and false teaching. He's paralyzed. That means he's unchurched. He can't go to synagogue. I say he's unsynagogued. He's ignorant of the Jewish faith. He's been paralyzed. He's been lying there for 38 years in bondage. And then one day, Jesus walks up and he says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Because he's asking you the exact same question every time you go up to receive him in the Eucharist. Because he wants to be in communion in the Trinity. He wants to take you there for a slight minute to communion with the whole entire Trinity because it's the Holy Spirit that does the transubstantiation, takes the offering to the Father through Jesus, persona Christi, who's the priest. You want to be made well? So when you go up to communion, do you really want to be made well? Do you really want to come into communion with me? Really? Do you really want to be in full communion with me? Total, full communion with me? Because you've got to be out of mortal sin to do that. Do you really want to give up all your other false gods? Really? Do you really want to be made well? And I like a lot of those things. <laughs> I use them on a daily basis. Do you really want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, stand up, take your mat, and walk. Go, no water, go, get, go, go. At once, the man was made well. He took up his mat and he began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been cured, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to be carrying a mat. Wow. 
Not, I am so thankful, praise God, brother, 38 years, you're walking. Why are you carrying a mat? It's not lawful for you to carry a mat. <laughs> he doesn't know because he's unsynagogued. He doesn't know the rules. He's been paralyzed for 38 years. He hasn't been able to go to synagogue and learn everything. But he answered, well, the man who made me, well, he said, take up your mat and walk. And they asked him, well, who is the man who said this to you? Take it up and walk. Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was. Jesus had disappeared in the crowd. The man who was healed did not know the identity of Jesus Christ. He didn't know any of the prophecies. He didn't know the Torah. He didn't know the Old Testament. He didn't know the prophets. He's unsynagogued. He doesn't know who it is. Was it Asclepius? I, I, I heard people talking about this guy and he stirs up the water and I, I, he has a snake on a pole. And be, he didn't know all the prophecies that Smarty Pants and Nicodemus knew. What was God's number one command for all Jews and all humanity? He didn't even know that. But what it is, is I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. None. No Greek God of healing. Asclepius. Later, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Give up your false gods like the Greek God, Asclepius. I am God. I'm the divine healer. I have the power and the authority from the Father to heal you through the Holy Spirit. Then the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Therefore, the Jews started persecuting Jesus because he was doing such things on Sabbath. Jesus answered, my father's still working and I'm also working on the Sabbath. For this reason, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he's not only breaking the Sabbath, but calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. So he's breaking the third commandment to keep holy the Sabbath and he's also leveling himself equal to God. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing on his own, but only what the father is doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. So it's like Father, like son, they image one another. Fathers and sons image one another. No one has ever seen God. It's God, the only son, who's close to the father's heart that's making him known. Jesus is making himself known to the man. He doesn't know anything about the faith. He made himself known to Fotina. Even though she was in sin, he doesn't want her jeopardized for all eternity, so he calls her out of her sin. Go get your husband. He knows everything she ever did, and he loved her. He knows everything you ever did and he still loves you. And he wants her to be in full communion with him, his bride for all eternity, because she's trapped. And this paralyzed man is trapped today. He's been trapped for 38 years in his body, he hasn't moved. He's a prisoner of his body, he's in bondage and he's placing all his trust, all his hope in false little G Greek gods. He's ignorant. But Jesus is revealing himself to the man. Messiah has come to set the captives free. Don't go back to a life of bondage. Don't sin anymore. I am the Lord your God. Have no other false gods but me. Now what could be worse than being trapped in bondage for 38 years? Because he says something even worse could happen to you. What could even be worse than that? Being trapped in bondage for all eternity. <laughs> Separated from that communion forever. That communion of eternal love forever. So Jesus loves him enough to help him get out of that. 
Bethsaida is called the house of mercy or the house of grace. And that's what it was for this man when Jesus came and said, do not sin anymore. Before that, it was the house of shame or disgrace. Now it's the house of mercy or grace. And he says, very truly, I tell you, the hour is coming and is now here. Oh, another hour theme. The hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God. And he says, the father has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not be astonished at this for the hour is coming when all those who are in their graves are going to hear his voice. Did that happen? Yes. Matthew 27 says the tombs were open. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised after the crucifixion. After his work was complete and his resurrection, they came out of the tombs. They entered the holy city. They appeared to many before he took them back to the father because he opened the gate. The Greek god of the underworld named Hades was very nervous about Asclepius raising the dead. It's not Asclepius that Hades needed to worry about. It's Jesus Christ, the victor. Jesus Christ, in that three days, goes to Hades. He descends to Hades. He preaches the gospel to all who are waiting to hear it. We call it harrowing Hades. That's what he did. Those who believe were set free upon hearing the gospel. If they believe, they're set free. The imprisoned spirits is what they are called. Before a gateway is opened back to the Trinity, back to the beatific vision, they are in a holding place called Hades, and he harrows Hades. Peter says, this is almost done, Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and preached to the spirits in prison. He harrowed Hades. He freed them. And John 5 ends like this. God had given Jesus authority to execute judgment because Jesus is the son of man. Do not be astonished at this. The hour is coming when all in the graves will hear his voice and they will come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. You are going to live forever with a body. It's going to be a glorified body or a grotesque body. You're going to go to the place of the resurrection or the place of eternal condemnation. And Jesus wants us to know because he loves us and he wants us in full communion with him. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being the one and only true triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Thank you for helping us understand a glimpse of the Trinity today and a glimpse of your healing power. And thank you that you desire to make us well. But do we want to be made well? It's a matter of our will and our hearts and our minds and our souls. We pray for healing, Lord Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we might all say with great certainty, yes, we want to be healed, Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. That was part two of the Gospel of John, chapter five, on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible studies, visit seekingtruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.